The following is a Furnished Brothers production. Introducing your host, Rob. Put your best players out there, Mike. And Ryan. He missed the net, and it somehow went in. This is the Talking Buds Podcast. right we are back episode 23 of the talking buds podcast ryan how are you doing tonight my friend choo choo get on the train we're headed straight to negative town buddy oh boy that was that was rough little to no positives to take out of that game pal no, no, dude, like, just, I you just want to hop on here and just go nuts after watching that. Just so frustrating. Same themes we've been talking about week after week of what is wrong with this hockey team. But you know what? I think this episode, I'm just going to try and look at this game as just like a one-off. And regardless of the style of play or who they were playing, there's not many times we've hopped on this podcast and they've gotten dummied like that. So I'll cut them a break on the Western road trip, coming back, playing a tough team. They had the flu going through the team too. Like Kapanen didn't play because he was sick. Hyman played like nothing. He played, he, he played going into the third period. Greg Millen said he just played like three and a half minutes or something. And then, then he didn't play at all for the third period. It's e- this game is easier for me to digest because I know in my heart that we're not catching the Bruins for home ice. So like, I, I don't care how many like games you think they're going to win to get that position. But I, in for me, I just do not believe that they are going to overtake that second spot. So I'm just gearing up for that game one in TD garden, buddy. I am just gearing up. All right, let's get a, Let's do a full recap here. So, since we last talked, Leafs on the Western road trip, five of six points, not bad. Disappointing result in Vancouver last week with blowing the lead. But you know what? A win's a win. Five of six points. You come back feeling pretty good. Got a big uh, got a big game tonight against the Tampa Bay Lightning. First place, Tampa Bay Lightning. Before the game, it's just like this absolute love fest between the coaches John Cooper, ahead of the game today, had this to say about one Mitchell Marner. He is as smart a player as this league has not only seen this year, but has ever seen. What do you think about that, Ryan? I, you know, I, that's just a, you know what, you, you could take that seriously. You could try to just pull out the, the eras and be like, oh, who's Mitch Marner better than over the past 50 years? Like, it's just, to me, it's just a coach just... He probably admires Marner as a player and thinks he's really good. So he's just throwing compliments out there. John Cooper's a guy who's like just a nice guy. Doesn't really seem like 
the type of guy who would take a dig at anyone and seems like a guy who would pump guys tires with compliments so I I, I don't look into anything with that comment it's just a coach kind of speaking about another team's top player and then conversely on the other side Mike Babcock called Nikita Kucherov the most dangerous player in the league which is pretty accurate yeah that's just straight facts buddy yep all right let's get that's straight facts all right let's get in and review this game so Leafs come out wearing their road white unis at home and they later said that it's because the lightning are playing in Detroit on Thursday and the Red Wings had asked for them to wear their blue unis so they only trap like NHL teams apparently don't travel with both sets of uniforms is this like minor Adam double A? NHL franchises just don't have the capability of carrying two uniforms on the road. They could pay guys millions of dollars, but they are unable to carry multiple sweaters on the road. Okay. That's like uh, played, that's kind of uh, weird. It's like when you played minor Adam double A and the trainer brought the wrong set of unis and you had to go over and knock on the other team's dressing room door and be like, we only have our whites. <laughs> yeah, well, you know what? The, well, it used to be the white, the home whites. You know, yeah, it's I a know, throwback. Now, it used to be the home whites. I kind of like the home whites. Yeah, I don't. I just, I don't care about that stuff, to be honest with you. I just don't well, care. Well, I've said, not to get off track here, but I've said forever that the whole, like, the NHL is ridiculous when it comes to like rules with uniforms. It's like when the Leafs play the Habs, I don't care what building they're in, the Leafs should be in blue and the Habs should be in red. Period. Like the Chicago Blackhawks are coming to Scotiabank Arena on Wednesday night. The Leafs should be in blue. The Blackhawks should be in red. Period. Original six colors going exactly. head to head is what you're saying. Exactly. I could use an I could use a third uni for the Leafs right now. Yeah, they haven't really done that, eh? Like, you thought that they'd eventually roll one out, but, like, they're, they're wearing the St. Pat's ones this Sunday against Ottawa because it's St. Patty's Day, but, like, they don't really have, a, like, a, a third uni that they bring into rotation from time to time, and they had those in the previous years. Yeah, well, I think it's just them as an organization being like, we're an original six team, we got these two uniforms, we're the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah. All right, let's let's get into this game. So, before the game starts, we find out that Kasperi Kapanen is ill. He has the flu. So, and Hyman also had it, but Hyman's still dressed. So, William Nylander moves up from the third line to the second line to play with Austin Matthews. And you're thinking, all right, all right, maybe this will get... Uh, this will get Matthews going, and we'll uh, we'll start to see these two guys build some chemistry, kind of the way like Marner and Tavares have spent all season building chemistry. So, game starts. I actually didn't hate the Leafs game in the first period. I thought they played all right, but it's just the same old story, right? Like defensive liabilities and turnovers, and you make two defensive miscues and Tyler Johnson and Anthony Sorelli boom boom in the net and it's two nothing going into the second period 
Yeah, it's what really stood out to me tonight more than anything with these two hockey teams playing each other is the difference on the back end. Like, the Leafs are not even in the same league as this hockey team on the back end. Like, Like, that Ozhiganov, that Ozhiganov-Marinson pairing makes my eyes bleed. I just feel bad for Marinson at this point. We I've spent however long he's been a Maple Leaf ripping on the guy, and I feel like everyone's done it too because it's obvious that he doesn't belong out there. But now I'm at the point where I'm almost blaming the, the organization for continuing to put him in that position because it's pretty clear by now that he is just not an NHL defenseman. He is probably one of the worst defensemen I've ever seen handle a puck. Like, yeah, he's whoa. He's pretty. He's pretty brutal, man. Yeah, like, he's, he's, he's. You're right. It's it's he doesn't past belong the point, out there. It's past the point of just dumping on the guy, and it's just now you just like. I almost feel bad for him at this point. I almost feel for him because he's put in a position game after game that he just cannot succeed in, and I just I'm done blaming the guy. I just feel bad for him at this point. Meanwhile, Justin Hole's sitting up in the press box and uh, can't get a sniff because uh, uh, Captain Know-It-All behind the bench has just got it all figured out. Anyway, we'll we'll get to him in a second. So they come out for the second period, Ryan, and they are flat, flat, flat. Tyler Johnson scores his second of the game, and it's 3-0. 30 seconds later... Tampa shot from the point goes in off Austin Matthews for nothing. Freddie Anderson gets the hook. In comes Garrett Sparks. Ryan, I think we can both agree that this game was not necessarily a reflection of Freddie Anderson. No, not at all. And I'm happy they got him out of there. But don't give me this. I, on the broadcast, they mentioned, well, at least, at least he's got a, at least he's going to go have a rest now. And it's like, oh my, come on. It's like going into game one of the playoffs, we're going to be so thrilled about the period and a half of rest that Freddie got. So he'll be ready to go. Like, just don't, uh, the whole Freddie rest thing is a conversation of itself as well. But, oh yeah, no, no, we'll get into it. We'll get into it. So I I made a bunch of notes as uh, anytime we do a pod after uh, a game, I always make a bunch of notes while I'm watching the game. And I have, so this is a, the point where Sparks just went in and it's 4 nothing, and I have Kadri line is brutal. Now, I'm going to give Nazem Kadri, I'm going to cut him a bit of slack because guy's just coming back from a concussion and it's going to take him a few games to get his legs back and, and his timing and all that, but it's going to probably end up taking him longer than that because he has the two absolute anchors as his wingers. Yep, yep, the two the two good pros. Oh yeah, yeah, the two the two guys who do it right every single day. Yeah, no matter the production, the good pros are always going to find their way in some sort of top 9 role. So after that, 8-11 of the second period, Austin Matthews comes alive and scores a beauty goal. And you're thinking like, all right, all right, there we go. I mean, it's 4-1. Chances are they're probably not coming back, but Matthews scores a nice goal. Maybe get him going a little bit. He's been, we talked about it last week on the show, Ryan. We might, might talk about it again a little later, but he's been, you know, he's been struggling a little bit lately. So I, I was good. I was happy to see that. And then 
after that in the biggest dumpster fire miscue of the season by far. The Maple Leafs are on a power play, allow a shorthanded three-on-one, leaving Morgan Riley and Garrett Sparks completely out to dry while everyone goes and makes a horrible change, and boom, it's in the net, 5-1. The game is officially out of reach. Embarrassing. Just embarrassing play. Just embarrassing line change. Never even said that in my life, but it's like, what? What were they doing? What are you doing? I don't know. It was, oh. it, yeah. And then the second period comes to an end, and they're booed off the ice. First time that's happened all season, and you know what? Rightfully so. Yeah, seventeen you know like, giveaways you, you, in the first two periods, Ryan. Seventeen giveaways. Yeah, you gotta just. I know. I know. I said earlier, like maybe I'll cut them a break because of the the road trip and they're tired, but like. When you're coming out and playing the best team in the league and the top team of your division, I know you're not catching them, but you would think that would pump you up a little bit for the game to be like, let's go. We got Tampa tonight. It's not some game down in Carolina that we got to get stoked for. It's like, this is the lightning. They're coming into our barn. Let's get fired up. Well, this has been the problem with them all year, Ryan. This has been the problem with them all year. But it's just, you know what? They just got smoked. And there's nothing we can do about it now. And just guess we just got to throw the game tape out, burn it, move on to the next one. They come out for the third period and it's just more of the same from the second. (sighs) Cedric Paquette scores 6-1 and you're thinking, oh my God, can can this baby just come to an end already? And then Ryan, with five seconds left, just as he's done all season. Connor Brown with a big goal with five <laughs> and the Leafs lose <laughs> six two. Oh my god. Oh, I know what's sad too is at the end of the year that goal we're we're not gonna remember where that goal came from or when it happened. It's just gonna be on his career records. So I'm like, oh Connor Brown had a couple goals this year. Little do we know they're just all useless, non clutch goals that are just mean nothing guys guys just lost out there man i i i almost want to have a little speak like i want to talk to him be like what happened to you man like used to be a an offensive player who we were all excited about like oh, we got connor brown we got connor brown for the next couple of years now he's just a anchor well ryan this game was so disappointing on so many levels it's like the way the Leafs played just completely dominated. The fact that Boston finally lost in regulation last night and they had a chance to sort of close the gap and cut the four-point lead that Boston has to two, and they just they failed tonight, man. They failed. Like, they should be... This is, like, as disappointing of a loss. And it's like, listen, they're playing Tampa, like, the runaway favorite... But it's just like, man, like, it, it, to your point that you said earlier, it's like, can you not get up and play a little better than this? Like, it's just, like, like where, where do you even, where do you even start with this? Like, who do you put that on? You put it on the coach? Do you put it on the players? Because it's like, listen, we're gonna, we, we're gonna talk about Mike Babcock, and I'm the first one to criticize Mike Babcock. Okay, 
but at some point it's like you guys gotta you guys gotta get yourselves fired up like you have to find it within yourself to be like this is a big game we need these two points this is a chance for us to go out there and make a statement and show everybody that Boston's not just going to dummy us out in the first round and we're not the distant third in the Atlantic division. And they failed tonight, Ryan. They failed. You know what drives me nuts about this hockey team is the lack of forward help in the defensive zone. Like we're always on the defense and yeah, the defense isn't very good and they make some ill-advised passes and bad giveaways, but when you're this depleted on the back end and you're relying on AHL hockey players to take up minutes for your hockey team, you think you would just forget about the stretch pass for a game. Be like, boys, let's just all get down to the D zone, get support each other, have two guys on a puck, get the puck and let's break out down the ice and see what happens. Like there's always a guy just blow it, blowing the zone so early. And then, the D tries to make an outlet pass up the wall and he just misses the pass and it's up to the the other point. And then it's like, where's the forwards? Like, where are they? Like, they're just, there's no help. I don't get it. It's not always about the defense going back behind the goal line and getting the puck and finding the guy. Like there has to be a guy there or some support for these guys. Like it, it, it makes it seem so much worse than it actually is. And I think their D is just a lack of talent, and I don't think they're good enough anyway. But if you really watch the game, just watch the forward effort and the support in their own end. It is non-existent, and it's extremely frustrating. Let's not blow the zone early. Let's work to get the puck back. Like, it, come oh. Do you just attribute that to like a lack of experience and a lack of maturity? Like they just can't in a game be real, like recognize what's going on. Cause like, listen, there's no, there's three coaches back there. Okay. These guys aren't dumb. So I, you know, they got to be back there saying this. So it's like, why can't they make these adjustments when they're out there on the ice? I'm so like confused at this point though, because it's like, Hey, you could blame it on the coach for systems, but it's like, all these hockey teams come in and play the Leafs. So the Leafs go on the road and play other hockey teams. And the Leafs sometimes just get by because they're so much more skilled. You saw it in Edmonton, even though they almost blew that game, but they're, they're better than Edmonton. They're going to beat the Edmontons. But when all these good playoff teams roll in and they play the Leafs, like you really start to understand just the one dimensional hockey team that this is like they, every player is cut out of the exact why you think there would be one guy who's different but there's not like maybe Hyman but Hyman in his own zone isn't very good either he can forecheck like hell but in his own zone he's not very good either I just it blows my mind when I watch this hockey team that so many guys could just be the same they all have the same issue they all just aren't physical they don't work to get the puck back they only want to look for the stretch pass they're blowing the zone Let's just work to get the puck back. They just don't do that. And it's every single guy. It's every guy. I don't get it. We talked about this last week. It's the complete inability to adjust in game and be able to recognize the style your opponent is throwing at you and figure out a way to adapt and either 
respond to your opponent or take the game over your way. And they, they don't, they don't do that. Like they, they, to your point, they, they play the skilled stretch pass game where the forwards don't really come back and help the D and that's all, that's all they know how to play. And that's all they, they, I guess look like they want to play. So it's like the coach can be behind the bench like emphasizing the system adjustments and try this, try that. But these guys have to decide that like, that's what they're going to do. And like, they're, it's just like, I, I'm starting to get to the point is like where I'm starting to believe like, you're never going to get William Nylander to, to buy in and do that. I just, I just don't know if that's possible. I know I'm emotional right now. And so I'm probably like, like go like being, a bit extreme, but it's just like, it's so frustrating. I completely agree with the points you're making. It's just like, when are these guys just going to figure out that like you, when you're, when your little fancy stretch pass game isn't working, you gotta make an adjustment. You gotta bear down. You gotta work a little harder. It's like, I feel like a broken record. Like we're saying yeah, this we're every just week, beating a dead horse every week coming yeah. in here and being like, this team's too soft. They can't adjust. They can't forecheck. They're not physical. And I, I hear like, oh, the game's skill, skill, skill. The game's speed, speed, speed. Well, clearly it's not all skill, skill, skill and speed because you look at the Washington Capitals right now who are just dummying their way into the playoffs. That Why, team look at Tampa. Look at Tampa. Like, like, like Tampa's the perfect. Tampa is the model that the Maple Leafs are aspiring to go after, okay? Tampa doesn't have any, like, big Tom Wilsons, right? They've got just a bunch of, like, quality skill players and when you say physical everyone gets in a huff and is like oh well it's it, it, part of the game's not in it anymore you gotta be uh skilled wins it's like listen the tampa every player on the tampa bay lightning even their smallest one is first on every puck they're first in the offensive zone they they outskate you they want it more that's what that's what we mean by like physicality they're not afraid to go in and give you a little shove off the puck and it's like it doesn't you there are no nobody on the tampa teams out there laying anybody out with big hits but they win all the battles along the wall and under the goal line and just like it's like they're relentless like that and that's what we're talking about that's what the leafs don't do they play a periphery like soft style, which is looks great when you're playing the Edmonton Oilers, but when you're in the postseason trying to compete to win a Stanley Cup, you're not gonna do it playing that style. And I don't know what it's going to take to get it through these guys' heads. What's so frustrating about Tampa too is even if you take away like the whole physicality conversation about some lightning players, even like even they're skilled guys, but they work hard. But the thing about the Tampa Bay Lightning that frustrates me is even if they didn't work hard, like the Leafs are a really skilled hockey team, but they're not as skilled as the Tampa Bay Lightning. Like if you give the Tampa Bay Lightning a couple power plays a game, like that that's one or two goals on you right away. And the Leafs, as skilled as they are, they're not that skilled on the power play. And they don't dominate you offensively as much as they do. So with Tampa, you, you they have more skill than the Leafs, I think, right now, or their skill is playing at a level that the Leafs aren't at right now. And you add that in with some work ethic. And it's like, this is why this team is 
where they're at and why they're having one of the best seasons a team has had in this league in in a long time because they're just as skilled as the Leafs and they work twice as hard and their goaltending is phenomenal and their coach is a beauty. So like, do you buy into like the, I kind of, I'm starting to like, you watch the Bruins and you watch the lightning, like season teams, right? So do you still think that the Leafs are just a little too young? Like they are still kids. Like, Man, like Morgan Riley turned 25 the other day, and it's like I, I I speak about him like he's 35, like a, a veteran in the league and all that sort of stuff. It's, it's 25 year old kid, yeah. so it's like, well, the argument can be made that they are young because after all, it's only their third year in the league. And but the thing that concerns me about it though is, yeah, they're young, they're the, but like they just they don't play that style that we're desperate for or they don't they don't show any like flashes of it like Austin Matthews can go out and score 50 a year if he wants to but so far I, Austin Matthews hasn't shown me that he could be the type of guy in April to get the job done in the playoffs like he just I, I you know what he's a franchise player he's he scored a ton of goals since he's been in the league but just nothing so far has shown me that this guy has what it takes to bring it in the playoffs and it's just, yeah, they can grow up and, and be more mature. Look at Ovi. It took Ovi forever to win a cup because he was really immature and had to grow up a little bit. And then that team kind of formed around him and bing, bang, boom, there's a Stanley Cup. So, yeah, the argument can be made that they're really young. But what troubles me is where's that hunger? Where's that style of play that's going to get you over the hump? Because so far I haven't seen too many signs of it. That's exactly the point that I'm trying to make and the rant that we go on, it's like, it's like Babcock doesn't help himself. And we'll talk about him in a minute again, but like the, these guys are going to be the ones who have to decide that like, we need to step it up a little bit here. We've got to go out and be a little tougher to play against. And until they do that, man, it's just like, I don't know. Like, like you, you've got tons of examples of teams in your division that are ahead of you. And you just like, you watch film and you see like how they play. And it's just like, why can't you guys? And it's just like, if you're going to say, well, that's just not the DNA of the team. It's like, well, you're going to have a hard time winning this division then. Cause you got the Bruins in here and you got the lightning. And it's like, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I'm not going to go to that extreme and say that, like, they're never going to. Like, I think that the the age and maturity of, of their superstars is a big reason why it's sort of taking them a long time to, quote-unquote, mature. But it is it is discouraging, buddy. There's no two ways about it. Rob, my brother, got a little question for you. What's that, Ryan? If people are unaware about the Talking Buds podcast, where can they hear us? Where can they find us? Well, Ryan, they can hear the show on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and YouTube. They can also follow our daily posts on Instagram at Talkin' Buds Podcast, on Twitter at Talkin' Buds Pod, and do not forget to hit that little subscribe button and leave a little five-star review and be a absolute bod. Thank you for the support, everybody. Now, 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 let's get back to the Toronto Maple Leaf Podcast for all the buds. This is the Talking Buds Podcast. 
you know what? I'm just gonna. I've my opinions of Babs have been well documented on this show, so I'm gonna I'm gonna let you go first, and I want you to give me your impressions and how you're feeling about the head coach right now, Mike Babcock. We always talk about, like, we just talked about the systems. And we are hoping that he can see what other people are seeing and he can implement a good system. And that's all well and good. But my biggest problem with this guy is if you're a good pro, you are going to get favored beyond belief. And ice time will always be available to you. And you will always be one of his guys and it's driving me insane because I don't at some point being a good pro isn't enough it's not enough so these Connor Browns these Patrick Marlowe's and tonight like I at the fourth line was out there a ton and that that's fine the game was out of reach they were working hard but it's it's you're starting to see, like, you think Austin, there's a reason why he had to go down to Arizona to talk to Austin Matthews last summer. Well, Ryan, at this rate, he's going to have to go down there again. This at this summer. point, he's going to have to go down, go around the whole team because I'm sure a lot of guys are sick of him right now because it's just, you could just see it. Like, we don't know him personally. We're not in the room. But if you just follow his press conferences and the way he carries himself in the media and every interview you hear him in he his shtick would wear thin after a while the whole drive train good pro will before the skill start on time the six six game sections like it's just at some point you'd be like mike just shut up stop following your principles and coach with a little emotion. To me, he coaches with no emotion. He coaches by his own little playbook that he has stashed away somewhere. It's called Mike's Unwritten Rules, and he's going to follow those rules no matter the circumstance because that, that, playbook, the- that playbook hasn't gotten you out past the first round in years. And sure, you win a gold medal, you win two gold medals in a World Cup when you've got the best hockey teams ever assembled. I'm not, and again, I'm not taking that away from him. The guy has those on his resume. Good for him. He's going to go in the Hall of Fame. Deserves it. But like, this is this is absurd. Like, you you are not putting the best possible lineup on the ice. Like, I don't care about right shot, left shot. Marty Marinson should not be on the ice over Justin Hall. Period. End of discussion. It, I it's just it's it, it's if good pro like I can't say it enough like it's just he follows this guideline in his head of how he should do things and no matter what the situation is he's not going to react emotionally to it he's going to stick to what he believes in and he's so stubborn that he almost gets in his own way sometimes and I do I think he's a great coach yes I do. I think he's a great guy too. I don't think he means bad. Like he, he seems like a good dude. He cares about everyone. But at some point, you gotta let go of what you believe in, and you just gotta go with your gut and some emotion. Because I don't see any of that in his coaching. I see a no emotion in his coaching. No emotion in his decision making. It's if you're a good guy and he likes you for some reason, whether that's on the ice or off the ice, or if you're in the gym, if he somehow connects with you, 
you are going to be one of the favorites on the team and you're going to continue to see ice time like Connor Brown has, like Patrick Marlowe has, like Marty Marinson, not just this year, but the past couple of years and why some guys are going to take a long time. Like you look at Frankie Corrado. I know Frankie Corrado wasn't a very good defenseman, but like it was clear that Babcock just no interest in that guy, no interest in Hall, no interest in Levo. And it's just a pattern We've been with him long enough. You're recognizing his patterns. He's just the most stubborn guy around, and it's starting to piss people off at this point. Oh, yeah. Jeff Blair on the fan has been on the Babcock is uh, might be overrated train for a while. I saw Dangle take a shot at him on Twitter tonight. Like, it's uh, people are starting to jump on this bandwagon that I've been on for months just to give myself a little pat on the back. But like, and and you alluded to it earlier with Matthews. I'm holding Mike Babcock. He is he takes the the majority of the blame for Matthews' lack of production in recent weeks because the the, the poor guy has had a revolving door of right and left wingers all year, and it's just like, listen. I heard this point made today, and I completely agree with it. John Tavares has 38 goals. He's going to set new career highs for himself, okay? If you looked at the highlights of Johnny T's 38 goals this year, how many times after he scores does he turn around and point at Mitch Marner? A lot. And Matthews... He's not going and right now. Like, he got the nice goal tonight, and hopefully that kind of starts getting him going, but he, ha- he hasn't looked like himself in the last five, six games. He needs to be put with someone who can hang with him. When I look down this roster right now, I see Nylander as that main guy. They've worked well together in the past. They need to be put together, and you've got, there's 14 games left. They need to be put together, Ryan, and they need to have time to rekindle that chemistry they've had in past seasons, because that's what's going to help you get over the hump against the Bruins, and tonight, he puts Nylander with Matthews, not because, not due to the logic I just stated, because Kapanen is sick and can't go. And I love Casperi Kapanen. I do. But it's it, they've gone a little cold, so let's try. And, and we know that, that, won't, that Marner, Tavares, Matthews, Nylander is a pretty good one-two punch to go into the playoffs with. That's what we should be doing. And maybe move Kapanen down to the third line, give Nazem Kadri somebody to play with, opposed to the two just absolute black holes he's got on his wings and uh, and brownie's got to go up and what did i say last week i said when nazim kadri comes back if trevor moore goes up into the press box i'm gonna freak out and what did he do on saturday night he put trevor moore up in the press box because brownie's a good pro yeah, Can't take him it's out of just, the lineup. He's a no. good pro. Guy's done absolutely nothing all year. No, never mind. He got a big goal tonight with five seconds left. Got a yeah. big goal. I think we got to be careful, though, because 
if you remember the last two years, we were always complaining about how he would never change up the lines and he would never change up Matthews line. But the main concern was never Matthews with Nylander. It was always Matthews with Brown and Hyman. That was yes. the line that was kind of like, eh. I don't remember a lot of people being like, oh, Nylander and Matthews cannot be together. And I I don't I don't think, Jan, on paper, you would think Janssen and Kapanen would, would fit on that line because they're two skilled hockey players that could both score. They're not really setup men, which is no, maybe the issue. No, that's the problem. All yeah. three of them are goal scorers. And, like, William Nylander's a goal scorer, too, but William Nylander can handle the puck. No, William, William Nylander's a better playmaker than both those guys. And yes. But it's just... It's just not giving it the chance that drives people nuts. It's yes. Just, and even when yes. he does give it a chance, like the one time he put Marner and Matthews together, you already could tell that he hates it so much. And it's only a matter of a period or two before it goes back to the way his brain can relax the way he wants the lines because right when he sees Matthews and Marner out there, you could tell in his brain, he's like, he's freaking out. He's like, this is a good no, 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 no. And he just has to break them up. And well, he it's just, almost th- like he waits for them to make a mistake so he can separate them. It's like it's like when, when they go out there and maybe they, they get scored on, he's like does a little fist bump behind the bench. He's yeah, like, I yes. just yeah, you get the you get the the feeling that he just doesn't want them to succeed almost. Because that's not the way he likes it. And if it's not the way Babs wants it or likes it, then he hates it. He doesn't want to do anything that he doesn't it's not his idea or he's comfortable with. He is so obsessed with his way of doing things that if he changes it any other way, he can't handle it. And he has to go back to the way things he, the way he wants things. And it's just starting to wear thin on people because when he first showed up here, he's, he was Mike Babcock, one of the best coaches in the league, highest paid coach ever, great reputation winner. And now it's, Four years in, and we're starting to get a little sick of the things that he does in, when he's configuring a lineup, but it's starting to drive people nuts. If they get, I said it last week, I'm going to say it again this week. If they get dusted out in the first round by Boston, Shanny has to have a sit down conversation with him this offseason. And it's got to be Shanny because he's not he's not going to listen to Dubas. All he does in his post-game press conferences is take underhanded shots at Dubas for not getting him size. Yeah. So so he's got to Shanny has to have a sit down with him and be like you need to give this team the best possible chance to win every night. And I don't know. I, I don't know, man. But at the same time, it's like, 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 like Patrick Marlowe. Like, what are you going to do with him? It's like, I know. You're talking dude, about, this you, is, you're this talking is about the... giving him a, like healthying him last week. And it's like, you can't do that. And like, they've got one more year left on his deal. It's like, he is just brutal. Dude, this is the issue with this team is you're watching it and you just want to blame it on one thing, but you can't. There's so many different things because you want to get mad at Babcock. But it's at the same time, you're looking at it being like, He's got a lot of the same dudes out here who do a lot of the same things. Like, he doesn't have a lot of variety out here. And then at the same time, you're kind of like, oh, well, they're pretty skilled. They should just kind of suck it up and be better. And you kind of blame it on the players. And then you go out and you see the stretch pass. You're like, oh, maybe Babcock should implement a new system. So it's just like you can never pinpoint the blame on anywhere. It's kind of everything coming to a head and all of it together is creating 
a very good hockey team, but not a hockey team that's going to compete for a Stanley Cup. It really is the, like, you're seeing on display a team that has all the speed and skill in the world but lacks certain intangibles that i'm that i believe come with more experience and and some different and, and some some different yes. like elements yes. into a lineup as well like the, the like they're going to have to find when Patty Marlowe finally comes up and he's gone, like they're going to, they have to know that they have to find a different type of player to mix in there. Like you don't want to get an anchor, but there's a lot of good, like Patrick Marlowe doesn't have any goals this year. Like he's not potting 20 goals this year. Like he's like, go out and get a guy who's going to add something different to your lineup. I know skills important, but like you can't honestly sit in that press box every night and watch the game and be Kyle Dubas and be like, like you can't think you're going to win like this. Well, I talked about, I think we all might've gotten a little ahead of ourselves at the beginning of the year with the whole, like their cup contenders and stuff. And like, as it kind of plays on, you you see that like, and listen, could they get in the playoffs and could Freddie Anderson go lights out and they go on a run for sure. But like, you're starting to see the deficiencies in the way the team is constructed. And I talked about it last week like Jeff Merrick like just described it beautifully. And it's just like when this team, like two years down the road, when Marlowe's off the books and all three of the guys, all three of the big boys have more experience under their belt. That's when you're going to start to see the Leafs come into their own. And you hope that like some of the, some of the kids they have on the Marley, some of the defensive kids and the Cali Rosens of the world are kind of mature and, and become what you want them to become. And Gardner's gone and Dermot is, is only going to get better. And like Ron hainsey has gone and all that sort of thing. Although I don't think Ron Hainsey is like, honestly, after that, uh, watching this Ozhiganov Marinson pairing, like the, I, I just, I got nothing bad to say about Ron Hainsey right now. But that's when they're likely going to mature into what the Lightning look like now and let the Bruins look like now. And I just think that instead of getting like frustrated and being like, why aren't they? We thought they were cup contenders. It's just like they've still got a ways to go. That's the biggest lesson that I've learned through the 18-19 season. 23 weeks of doing talking buds. That's the biggest lesson I've learned watching this team is there is still a ways to go in the growth and maturing of their core of star young players. Yeah, and just it's just we have to make our minds up going forward this season for the rest of the season as fans though is are we going to continue to keep getting disappointed and upset because we think this hockey team is better than they're playing and think their cup contenders can actually go on a run? Or are we going to dial back the expectations and be like, this is a really good hockey team. But if we're being realistic here, maybe we just hope we get past the Bruins and that's just a ex- success for the season because it's if you're going to if you honestly believe that they're going to get through four rounds and have a chance to do that then you can just continue to be upset after games like this and harp on the lack of physicality or the lack of 
whatever they have, but it's just so maybe we have to dial our expectations back a little bit because we're starting to rile ourselves up for something that isn't going to happen. You know, like it's just, it's, I don't know. Well, I, tonight I'm officially making the proclamation and not even in a negative way, in a positive way that I'm, I'm going to dial back the expectations a little bit. Like I just said, there's still plenty of room for growth and, but can you though? But can yeah, you? Yeah, I'm going to, you know what? Can I'm going you? to. I'm going to. I am going to dial back the expectations. So and next the- week when we get on this pod and they are fresh off another 6-1 defeat, what is your reaction going to be? That we still – that there's still a ways to go and they're going to make the playoffs and they're going to play Boston and that's just – we'll see the showing that they have in that seven-game series. Ryan, we as a fan base – got fed a giant slice of humble pie tonight by the Tampa Bay Lightning, in my opinion. And I know that the people will be like, oh, they had some flu. They just came back from a a road trip. It's like, listen, every team deals with schedules. Every team deals with injuries and illnesses and stuff. If they lost 4-3 or 6-5 or 3-2 tonight, that'd be one thing. They got dummied tonight by a superior more mature more seasoned hockey team and that's just the way it is and you can we can take a negative approach and say oh we spend all year watching this team just to watch them get dummied out in the first round or we can say listen it's about the journey they got Nylander signed with term they got Matthews signed with term they're gonna get Marner figured out Marner is going to make a gazillion dollars this offseason. They're going to get that all figured out. And then Tavares is here with term. So it's like they're going to get this sorted out. And then, like we said earlier, Patty Marlowe, God bless him. I know he's a beauty, but the, he's just, he's not effective anymore. So the end of next season, he's going to come off the books and that'll give them a bit more money to play around with. And, they're gonna be they're gonna be they're gonna be fine it's just i this year just living in the moment is difficult sometimes yes, so like yes. you know living in the moment it's just it, like that's a long time from now like where we're speaking like like yes. this is a year from now two years from now it's hard to think that far ahead it, it, i mean time goes by quickly like that dumpster fire of a season where they got the first overall pick like that seemed like yesterday to me so it does go by quick, but you can't really blame people for living in the moment and being fans and getting upset. But it's you got fans have to make a choice what what side they're going to be on and what their expectation is. All right, and with that, let's move into bums and beauties. It's time to find out who's a bum and who's a beauty. Take it away, buds. That's right. We didn't do one last week, and what's back this week? Ryan, who's going first? You or me? Who's going first? You know what? I'll go first, and I'll go right. with my bum of the week first. All right. My bum of the week. It's not a particular person. It's a theory, and that theory is on goaltender rest. 
and the argument of Freddie Anderson playing a specific amount of games to be ready for the playoffs and not be burned out. You know what's funny, Ryan? I, today, I was so ready to come on this uh, show with you and have a debate about home ice and, like, do you think it matters and, like, should they be trying to play for it and all this kind of stuff and, like, resting Freddie or whatever. But after them getting dummied tonight, I'm just like it's not even in my mind anymore. It's just like we're going we're going to TD Garden for Game One. Get oh yeah, ready. oh yeah, for sure. And you know what? Like, but I think they should not quit and they should continue to play and try to get that home ice spot. I don't think it's gonna happen, but they would be silly not to try. And because it's, I think it's really important. But this goaltender rest conversation, like, like, come on. Playing a specific number of games. What is the difference between Frederick Anderson playing 58 games to 56 games? Like, what is the difference? Do you think those two extra games, unless he gets hurt in those games, obviously, but if he plays those two games and he's fine, do you think those two games are going to affect the way he plays in the playoffs? That those six periods of hockey somehow affect him in such a way that he's just not himself and he's just going to not play well and not be the Freddy we know. Like, I just don't believe that for a second. And I don't work in a sports science department. But, like, to me, there's only so much. Like, sports science can only help so much. And it's just like, come on. Like, these two games, these extra rest games that you're giving this guy, like, you still, if you really truly still want to fight for that home ice then, like, who cares about this certain amount of games he's playing? Like, it's just, I maybe we're just running out of things to talk about, and that narrative's just brought up because the media has to talk about something. Us as fans have to talk about something. But I just don't believe for a second that two extra games of hockey is going to affect this guy in a negative way. So that's my bum of the week. Yeah, I don't, uh, I don't disagree with you. I think everyone, it's just another thing. It's almost Ryan, just silly where, talking about it. Like well, it's almost just, just need... dumb acknowledging it. But that, it, it bothers me because it's like, come on, dude. Like this is a young guy. Like he's not. Yeah. Like I know he's not twenty, but he's not forty. Like and he's, he, and he and wants, he's, he wants to play. He'll be, and it's like he'll be fine. He'll yeah, be no, fine. I, like stop. Yeah. Like, like, oh. Yeah. All right, I'm really gonna pour it on here, but for different reasons. My bum of the week is Mike Babcock. Um, the way he absolutely sewered the Smurf line after the Vancouver game last week and said that it gave, like he couldn't roll the bench properly or whatever. And it's like, like just, just like you, you play, you play Austin Matthews 15, 16 minutes a night. That's your problem, Mike. Like just brutal and that like Justin Hall just rotting up in the press box while Ozhiganov and Marinson go out there and just turn the puck over left right and center like we we just had a whole segment on him so if you go back and listen to that if you want to hear me us get into it again but Babcock figure it out buddy put the best roster out there that gives you a chance to win all right Beauty of the week. All right. Beauty of the week, Morgan Riley. And I'm pretty sure Morgan Riley's like leading. If we had to tally all my beauties of the week, he's probably leading for the amount of picks from me. But watching tonight, watching the Tampa Bay back end go to work and the horses they have back there, 
you really begin to realize that Morgan Rally is so far and away the only semblance of a horse they have. Like, there's no one else on that deep core that's just anywhere close to being on the level that Morgan Riley's at. Oh, dude. Yeah, and he, I know that. Yeah, and he leads that, the league in, in goals by, he almost has 20 goals this year. And he's taken a significant step offensively this year. And 100%. I know he's not as dominant as he was, like, earlier in the year. But it cannot be forgotten, the improvement on the offensive side of the puck that he's showing. And, frankly, on the de- defensive side of the puck as well. So... Morgan Riley, you're my beauty of the week. My beauty of the week. Special shout out to Tyler Ennis for the hat trick last week. And also special shout out to Trevor Moore because I just love him and what he brings. But I got to say that my beauty of the week is Frederick Anderson. Literally the whole reason why they came back from the Western road trip with five of six is because of Frederick Anderson. The biggest chance they have of upsetting Boston in the first round is if Frederick Anderson steals them a few games in that series or goes like Cujo and steals a whole series. So this guy, I firmly believe that the Maple Leafs would be back in like that wild card race with the Habs and the Penguins and the blue jackets if frederick anderson was not between the pipes so freddie anderson is my beauty of the week yep yep you can't disagree with that all right let's do the week look ahead ryan what do we got here we got wednesday night the chicago blackhawks come to scotia bank arena that should be fun one you know the blackhawks play the type of style that the leafs really jive with like that wide open chance for chance so that should be entertaining got a little homestand here and then philly comes to scotia bank arena on friday so yeah they play they play tonight and then they play wednesday then they play friday against philly and then they play saturday against ottawa so it's like pretty, that's four games this week. Yeah, well, you know what? They got to get going here, man. Those are teams that they can beat and teams that aren't really strong defensively, just like the Leafs. So if they want to hop on a couple victories and play, if they really want to play their style of game, these are three hockey teams that are going to allow them to play their style of game. So Maybe if we get five out of six points or at least get two of those wins, I hope they get three because if they really want to catch the Bruins, then they got to win these hockey games. And those are three beatable hockey teams. So hopefully they don't play like they did tonight and come out and win those games. All right, Rye. I think that's going to do it for episode 23. I don't know about you, buddy, but I'm feeling emotionally drained after watching that game and then coming on here and just unloading like that. I'm spent after that. Yeah, I know. It's just, it's frustrating coming on here because you want to bring a different take, but I feel like every week we're almost talking about the same thing because it's just so right in front of your face. What is wrong with this team? And everyone knows it. Everyone's talking about it, but it's just, you know what? We just got to hope for the best. Let's maybe we just got to turn into fans instead of analyzers and just hope that they can get three wins in their next game. It's just, it's so hard for me to focus on anything other than the first round series against Boston right now. It's like, I'm looking at their schedule and it's like, for the rest of the season, it's like Chicago, Philly, Ottawa, Nashville, Buffalo, 
New York Rangers, Islanders, Panther. And it's just like, the only thing that matters to me right now is the Boston Bruins. And yeah, I know it's a, everyone's thinking ahead to that series. Yeah. And we can't forget like, this team was a period away of winning that series last year. We're not going in there expecting a four game sweep or I'm not expecting a five game or I'm expecting at least six games out of these two hockey teams in the first round. Yeah, me too, buddy. I don't think they're going to go in and get dusted out. In no, like four no, games, it it's not going to work like that. It's, it's going to be, they're going to show a little bit of something in that series, but in the end, who's going to have their hand raised? And do we think they have enough to have their hand raised by the end of it? Oh, can't think of a better note to end this week's episode on, buddy. Thank you, everybody, for downloading. We'll catch you next week. Hi, I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the podcast about broadcast. Every week since 2016, we've been bringing on broadcast leaders to talk about their experiences in radio, what they've seen, and where they believe it is all going. If you live and love radio, subscribe to the Sound Off Podcast with Matt Kundle wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Mercedes Nickel, four-time Winter Olympian and host of Dropping In, a podcast with Mercedes. This is a podcast where I interview a bunch of different people. I get the good, the bad, and the ugly, as well as I share my stories along the way. Now you can drop in at droppingin.com or subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube. I'll see you soon.